So, um, I guess the first we got we got to have a little commercial. You know, I realized I was, this is my third time up here, and I ain't I ain't plugged our man's Sunday school class yet. So I'm going to do that this morning. If you're if you're a man, you qualify for that. You can you can come meet us Sunday morning. So we. we we meet at 8.30, we really don't get started until about 8.45, but you can come anytime, you can come at 9 if you, you want, but come and join us, we, uh, you know, we have a fairly good class, uh, the teacher's sometimes entertaining because he, he messes up a lot, so it's, it's pretty fun to watch that. So this morning we're going to be talking about three different characters, and really we're going to be looking at those, the heart of those characters, and in three different hearts and when I first came up upon the story I was I was reading somewhere else I was reading in second Peter and in chapter two and I was uh reading along through that chapter and, and uh you know that chapter talks about false teachers or the dangers of false teachers and I was reading along and I get to verse 14 and verse 14 is kind of setting up uh this character, this first character we're going to introduce, they kind of set up some of his characteristics, and it says that he has eyes full of adultery, um, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls, and they have hearts trained for greed. So, so they kind of fix and introduce this guy here, and, and this is some of his characteristics that these false teachers are, are following. So if we look Second um, Peter chapter 2, and it starts in verse 14, no, 15, I'm sorry. For, for they forsake the right way, they have gone astray, and they have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the gain, gain from wrongdoing. Well, that, that guy don't sound very good, right? He's... He's got some pretty bad attributes, and he likes to he likes to gain from wrongdoing. And then we looked at verse sixteen, and this is where it really caught my eye. This is where I had to stop. And so it said, "But he was rebuked from his own translations. A speechless donkey spoken with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness." And I was like, "I was like, what? What just happened there?" So. I quickly did a search. So I got to find a story in the Bible. Found it. Went to Numbers 22 because I was done with Second Peter at that point. I had, to go, I had to go find this story because I wanted to know about this donkey that spoke. Right? So I start reading chapter 22 and I'm scanning through most of it to be honest. I, I skipped over until I found where the donkey was. I started reading but I missed a lot of... I missed a lot of stuff by skimming over that. And uh, so this morning, we're going we're gonna to slow down a little bit. And we're going we're gonna to hear about three different characters. We're going we're gonna to hear about a king's heart. We're going to hear about a prophet's heart. And we're going to hear about a servant's heart. So in that, let's look at uh, second um uh, Numbers 22, verse 1. For the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan River at Jericho and blocked the son of Be- what? Yeah. 
Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all the Israel had done to the Amorites. And, and Moab was in great dread. The people of the people, because they were many. Moab was overcome with fear in the number of people of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde will lick up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass in the field. So you have, you have this, they refer to Moab as a unit, but, but they're really, they're kind of talking about this, this next guy we're fixing to hear about, you know, the king of Moab. He, he's all these attributes we just talked about Moab having, he has. He, he's fearful. He's, he's scared of, of this mob, of all the resources they're going to take in. You know, in our, in our Sunday school class, we've, we've talked about this before, where, where the nation of Israel, as they travel around, the chaos they must leave behind them for all of the waste that many people and animals leave behind them, right? right. There must be a, a horrible mess behind them because they consume in so much um, stuff they they got you know a mob of people a horde of people it says and they have their animals and he's you know he has a valid fear that they're going to lick up all the grass they're going to take up all the resources of with their animals so that that fear's valid so so he's a little fearful So, so they back up, Ben. One more. So, Balak, the son of Belar, the son of Zippor, who is the king of Moab at that time. I got to let my guy catch up on me. Sent a message to Balaam, the son of Beor. At Pathor, there's a, there's a lot of horrors in this, this thing here. So we have the king of, king of uh, Moab that's frightened. He's fearful. Uh, he, he don't know, know God. If he did, he would know that God told the Israelites not to mess with them. He's, he, he, asked, he said, don't bother them. Don't burden the Moabites. I didn't give you their land. He gave them that command in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 9. Do not burden the Moabites. But he didn't know, he didn't know the Lord. So he didn't, he didn't know that comfort that God told him not to bother him. So he's fearful. So he sends after this Balaam, son of Beor. <clears throat> so he's sending so his... his um, some representatives, some, some messengers to go get this man. And it's not a short trip to go get him. You know, it's, it's roughly 400 miles away to go get this man that he's sending after. So, <clears throat> Belar, the son of Beor, at Pathor, which was near the river of the land of the people in what was that word, Ben? Awan. So, so something else happens in the men's class. Sometimes we struggle with words, and somebody else is going to help us 
get that word in. So thank you for my helper back there. To call him and said, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and they have come, they cover up the face of the earth, and they dwell opposed opposite of me. Now, I want the people ain't attacking him. They just they just in his territory. They're just, just kind of opposite of him. They're just kind of chilling out there. They're just hanging out. But but he's he's just fearful of them. So come now and curse the people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Well, he, he's got that part right. He knows they're mighty. He knows what happened to the Damrites. He he knows their you know some of their story. They came out of Egypt. He, he understands who they are. He just don't know who their God is. Or too mighty for me, perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from my land. For I know that he who you bless is blessed, and he who you curse is cursed. So, so we're going to talk about this, this, this Bellum guy for a second. Because he has, he has a reputation, right? He, you know... In the New Testament, he's mentioned three different times, and all three times it's not good, right? You know, if you look it up, he, you know, he, it's not good stuff that Peter said he was, you know, these false teachers imitating, right? You know, the, what was the attributes? The uh, eyes full of sin, insatiable for, he had an appetite, a desire for sin, insatiable for sin. He uh, had eyes full of adultery, and, and really ain't talk, they ain't talking about. Um, I don't believe they're talking about like him having an affair with a woman, but just his relationship with the Lord. Because we're going to see that he knows the Lord here in a minute. We're going to we're going to see that he he has a reputation for those that he does bless are blessed, and those that he cursed are cursed because. This king 400 miles away knows about it. So, so he's a prophet. He has, he has spiritual gifts. He has gifts. He, he's able to bless and he's able to curse. And that's a fact because 400 miles away, this king knows about it. You know, and they didn't have the internet. So, you know. So no... So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with these fee of division, division in their hand, and they came to Bellum and they gave it to him. And they said to him, and he said to him, Launch here tonight, and I'll bring a word back to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Bellum. Now, I talked about that, that Bellum was a prophet. And we, if we look at that word Lord up there, it's, it's all capitals. And that means that when they translated that, that was Yahweh, or however you want to say it. Probably I'll say Yahweh, you can say it however you want. But that means he knows the one true God, the Israel's God, the God of Abraham, Yahweh. 
we ain't talking about the pagan gods that that the king of Moab believes in. We're talking about the one true God. So this this guy, this this guy that likes to gain from evil doing, knows the one true God. And, and really, when you look at that, you know, he said, "Well, well, y'all stay here tonight. I'm going to go seek the Lord. I'm going to pray to Him and see what He tells me." That sounds sounds pretty good. It don't really sound like the guy we just heard about, right? But he's a, he's a little bit of a weird character. So so God came to Balaam and He said, "Who are these men with you?" And Balaam said to God, and I, I like this part because Balaam's explaining who Israel is to God. It's just humorous to me. So, but God, uh, Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and they covered the face of the earth, and now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them. And drive them out. So, so it's a little bit humorous that he's telling God about his people. You know, you know. Hey, this 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 mob. This they cover the face of the earth. There, there's a large amount of people coming, and they come to get us this king. And this king wants me to go help them. He wants me to go curse them. Um, now, he didn't tell him about the money there. I don't, so. There's there's a few things that he might have left out in that sermon that that you know his message to God. So God said to Balaam, "You should not go with them. You should not curse the people, for they are blessed." So, what does Balaam do here? Obviously, right? He goes he goes and tells the the people, oh, "Look, y'all got to go home. I can't. They're blessed." Y'all might as well go go make friends with them, right? That's what he should go tell them, right? That, that's not really what he goes and tells them, right? So he's so Balaam rose in the morning and he said to the priests of Balak, the princes of Balak, "Go to your own land." Now here's the the interesting word in before: for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. He didn't say, "Hey." You might as well go home, make peace with these guys, give them some food because they're blessed, and, you know, you ain't going to win. But what he says is, God's refused to let me go. I can't go with you. Saying, I, you know, if I could, I would go. But I can't. So I can't go. Some translation says, who uh, won't let me go. Uh, he didn't give me permission to go, but however you cut it, you know, he's putting the blame on God. And he didn't, he didn't really tell him the full message. He just said, look, I can't go with you because God won't let me go. It's like, it kind of reminds me of a kid, right? You know, telling his friends, hey, my mom and dad won't let me go. Um, putting the blame back on them. So once he, so the princes of Moab rose and they went back, went to Balaam, went to Balak, 
and said, Balaam refused to come with us, which was true. But once again, Balak sent princes more in number and more honorable than the ones before than these. And they came to Balaam again and they said, Thus says Balak, son of Zippor, let nothing hinder you from coming to me. For I will surely do you great honor, and whatever you say to me, I will do. Come curse these people for me. So, you know, you can almost imagine that in Balaam's mind, it's like they just hand him a blank check. You know, so let's see what his response was. And Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, if old Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the command of the Lord, my God, to do less or more. Well, that, that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, really he's saying, hey, I can't go against God. But I think in that he also says there's a pretty high price. You know, if he gave me his house full of silver and gold, I can't go beyond what God tells me I can do. But if I do anything, it's going to cost you a lot, basically, right? So he sent him on his way, right? That's, that's what he should have done. Say, all right, I can't do nothing for you. I can't go against what God said. God's already told me these people are blessed. You can't curse them. You can't go. So y'all just need to go on home. Now, he says, so you too, please stay here tonight so I may know what more the Lord will say to me. So, you know, you, you know you, when you was a kid and your parents done told you once, no, and you think, well, I can go, I can go get them again. So here's Block. He's going he's to go ask again, see, see if they changed his mind. So, so when God came to Bell that night and he said to him, if these men have come to you, rise and go with them. But only what I tell you. So, so he's not here today, but we'll reference it. So, you know, we was, in, we was in class one day in Sunday school and we was reading through the verses and, and we came to this but in the scripture and Randall says, you know, he, he said, I had a, I had a, English teacher one time and said that anytime you see but there you can take everything in front of that throw it out the window because it means nothing you need to pay attention to what's behind it so God told him you can go with them but let's throw that out of there only what I tell you to say only what I tell you to say So Balaam rose and saddled his donkey and went with the priests of Moab. But God was angry. But God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way of his adversary. So why was God angry? He, he told him to go, right? When I first read that, it's like, well, why is God mad at him? Because he told him to go. He clearly told him to go. But it goes down to the heart of it. You know, where was Balaam's heart and what he wanted to do? Was, was he wanting to go so he can deliver God's message? 
or he's wanting to go for that promise that the king made him. The king said, I can make you great. Where was his heart in it? You know, we've already seen him put the blame on God once. Hey, God refused to let me go. I can't go with you. He already put the blame on God once. Where was his heart? That's, that's what God was mad about. The heart he had as he's going. He's, he's trying. What he thought was, he, he's up packing his stuff, right? He said, I got, I got over on him. I'm going to get this, you know. It's kind of like, you know, you, know, you told your parents you was going to go do one thing, but you really was going to do something else. That was Balaam. He's going to do, he's trying to do this other thing. But he's got permission to go now. So it's like, I'm good. I got permission to go. I can, I can, I can try to sneak this in here. So, so God's anger was kindled, right? Now he was riding on the donkey, and this is where I, I slowed down to, to read the first time because I finally got to the donkey part. So we, we slowed down. I slowed down to his donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his drawn sword in his, sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside, and turned, turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Bellum struck the donkey and he turned her back into the road. I'm sure, I'm sure in our area most of us have, has had an animal that... That was slightly disobedient, and we, we was a little uh, mad at it, and we kind of said, hey, we got you back. So, so Benham struck her, said, you know, got her back on the road. And uh, then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrower path between two vineyards with walls on each side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall, pressing Benham's foot against the wall. And he struck her again because now, now she done, she rubbed him up on the wall all of a sudden. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrower place where there is no way to turn to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam. This, this donkey it's just trying to protect her master. She's just trying to serve him. Right? She's, she's just trying to protect him. But he don't see that. All he sees is a disobedience. She lays down. And so his anger was kindled. And he struck her. We're going to see how mad he really is in a second. And he struck her with a staff. And then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Bethlehem, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made me a fool, you've made a fool out of me. Now, now let's just stop a second. Now, I'm sure we've all been mad enough at our animal that we're speaking to it. But I'm sure, hopefully, if that animal starts talking back to me, I'm going to take a step backwards. But Balaam didn't. He, he answers the donkey. Right, so he's he's beating the donkey. She speaks to him, and he's 
giving it to her. He said, I wish I had a sword in my hand, for I would have killed you. That's how mad he's at the donkey. He's, he's so angry at the donkey that he wished he could kill it. Is that because she laid down on him? Is that because she's scrubbed in his wall? I think it's more than that. He was raging because she was hindering him from where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to the king so he can find a way to get his reward. And she was stopping him from doing that. He was mad. Raging. And the donkey said to him, am I not your donkey? On which you have ridden all your life, all, all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you in this way? And Balaam said, no. I wonder how he said that. Did, did it come out a calm no or did it like, no? I, you know, just wonder how, you know, I imagine it was a little bit more like the second one. But the donkey was winning an argument. All right? The donkey was winning that argument. That's, you know you're in bad shape when the, when the donkey's the, you know, beating you in the argument. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Bellum. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell face <clears throat> on his face. I almost read numbers up there, but I realized that was a caption. And then when the angel, and the angel of the Lord said, what he, he said, what he said, where are you going, Bellum? No. He said, why have you struck your donkey three times? That's, that's an interesting question for him to ask, right? Why have you struck your donkey three times? Well, it goes back to the donkey was hindering him. Right? The donkey was taking him off the path he wanted to be on. She was trying to protect him. He didn't know that, but she, all he knew is, I want to go this way because this is what I want. This, this is what, I, you know, he's lusting after that thing he has in his sight. But she's trying to remove him from it. That's why I really struck her. Behold, I have come out to oppose you. Because your way is perversive before me. Why the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. And she did not turn aside from me. If she did not turn aside of me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. Now, <laughs> I don't think Bellum really knew why he, why he was uh, being opposed here. I don't think he, he, he confessed, hey, I have sinned. But it wasn't like he really knew why he sinned. He just knew the angel was in the way with the sword drawn. I must have done something wrong. If I offended you, I'm sorry. It's like, you know, halfway apology, right? Hey, if, if I offended you, I apologize. But I don't think I really did. <clears throat> you know, he didn't understand why <laughs> the angel was opposed to him. If I offended you, I, I would go back. 
What, what he really said, look, I, I'm going to go back. I, I realize this is wrong. I'm, I'm going to go back. And then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with these men. But, second warning, but speak only the words that I tell you. So Balaam went with the priests of Balak, the princes of Balak. And when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out and met him at the city of Moab and on the border of Aaron and at the <coughs> extremity of the borders. So we have these three characters. One has a fearful heart. One has a lustful heart, right? He's, you get down to it, he's, he's lusting out for what the king promised him. And then one has a servant's heart. You know, if I started this story off and said I had a king, a prophet, and a servant, which one's heart do you think is going to be the best? It might have been hard to guess. Who would have guessed that the donkey's heart was in the right spot versus the other two? So as I, as I was listening to different sermons on this, this chapter, kind of preparing for, for today, um, one of the guys asked this question at the beginning of his sermon. So, so I had to change it up. I'm going to ask it at the end of my sermon, right? So I changed it up a little bit. He said, what is the most important thing as a Christian you have to protect? I want you to think about that for a second. Because I answered wrong when he asked the question. And it's your heart. Your heart is the most important thing you have to protect as a Christian. Your heart is the first thing that goes away from the Lord. Your heart's the first thing that comes back to the Lord. So we have to be mindful of our heart. We have to be mindful of what position it's in. What is our heart longing for? Is our heart longing for the Lord? Or are we hungering for, thirsting for Him? Or are we lusting after something promised? Are we mad at things that are getting in our way that's hindering us on places we maybe shouldn't be going? Are we aware enough that there's something that's there that we shouldn't be going after it? Are we fearful like the king? Because we don't know the love of our Savior? Where's your heart this morning? What kind of shape is your heart in? Have you have you looked at it lately? What is your heart hungering for? Is it hungering for the Lord? Or the things that this world promises it? Are you fearful of the things that's in this world? Or are you fearful of the angel that might be standing there with a sword drawn? 